and welcome to the Royal Geek Podcast. My name is Tyler Sweat. I'm also called T-Sweat, and today I am joined by one other regular member of the Royal Geek Podcast family, uh, Anthony Amato. We call him Shimato. We are missing T-Roll and Justin tonight, uh, but we are joined by our resident Star Wars uh, genius, is what I heard, um, Markham, right? What, what's your full name? Zach Markham. Zach. Zachary Markham. A.K.A. Apple Zacks. Apple Zacks. Love it. Love it. We're uh, glad to be here with you guys today. Um, How's it going? How's how's your week been? You guys uh, enjoy the episode this week? Yeah, I mean, this it was a phenomenal episode. Like it was, it was so good. Yeah. Um, You know, it was probably the best episode of of the season so far. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, episode was really good. Um, Mandalorian season three, episode one. Uh, not just kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it was a really good episode. I, I really enjoyed just like the interactions and everything. Not uh, the fight scenes were cool, but just like the small interactions and the small like cues and everything that went along with the episode. It was all like innocent and funny and mm. just really good chemistry. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. I, I really enjoyed this episode as well. Um, it definitely was a different vibe, totally, from the rest of the yeah. the season so far, and we're going to get into why that is. Uh, but go ahead and offer a spoiler warning. If you have not watched the episode yet, we might have already leaked a little bit of what it's about uh, just uh, in the introduction there, but it's fine. Uh, you should have watched it already. What are you doing with your life? If you haven't watched this episode yet, uh, you deserve to have it spoiled. Um, now, we are talking about, of course, episode five of the Book of Boba Fett, The Return of the Mandalorian. Um, which I thought was, you know, of course, um, following Star Wars naming conventions, uh, return, return of the Mandalorian, Return of the Jedi, it kind of had that vibe yeah. to it, which, yep. which I loved. Um, but we're going to talk through the episode and the things that we picked up, maybe things that we thought were, were good elements. Um, of course, no Boba Fett today. Um, no, no Boba in this episode. Um, but I have um, uh, lovingly referred to this first section as Manda freaking Lorian. Uh, <laughs> we open on in this, you know, there's some meat shop that, you know, they're yeah. um, processing. Uh, of course, I don't think we know what kind of animals it is that they're. Um, yeah, they, just something. They're, they're butchering these these ant. What'd you say? Pigs. Pigs. Mm, okay, pigs. man, there's some big pigs. Some big pigs. Some yep. big yep. pigs. Yep. Um, then Alien. of course we the the camera walking through uh, ends on this doorway covered in these um, non opaque or no not yep. non transparent uh, plastic flaps and a figure appears and I just want to know what was your first thoughts when you see the silhouette. Uh, that show up on the screen. Did you think we were about to get Mandalorian? Like, what was going through your mind when you first kind of saw this character show up? Uh, it was definitely Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, you could yeah. already tell, from, like, from the figure, like his uh, his walk when he walked in. Like, it was just very like yeah. westerny and Mando for sure. Mm-hmm. It was just really cool seeing that. Like, it, the, the way they decided to present him the first time. It's yeah. um, yeah, it's always interesting when you think about the way that people see people. See things for the first time. Yeah, you know, um, you know, since you weren't really expecting to see the Mandalorian, um, at least yeah. not in that sense. I mean, yeah. we had gotten some, you know, hints earlier right. in the previous episode, but um, you know, showing it in that silhouette uh, uh, was one of the co- was a really cool way to do it with to show it without showing it immediately, like right. build a little bit of suspense just for like a second or two there. So that was really cool. I really liked that that view. 
Definitely. I thought the same thing that, uh, of course, we ended last week's episode by talking about, we got the little stinger at the end yeah. that when they're, they're saying, of course, we have, you have tons of credits, but what we need is muscle. And Fennec Shan says, you know, credits can buy muscle. Yeah. And it ends on that little stinger, the the flute. You know, of course, we all associate that with the theme music of, of The Mandalorian. And, of course, when the flaps open, when the, the plastic flaps open wide, in walks Mando. And uh, what what a great sight to see. And, of course, we get that same little um, little stinger, little flute uh, sound um, that we associate with him. Uh, what a cool thing. Of course, he's, he's also he's seeking out one of his... Uh, um, the little pucks, you know, he's finding yeah. the, the particular character um, and, and he goes in, he finds them uh, interacting with him. And I love that he starts out uh, the same way that the last, I believe it was episode or, or season two started out. Um, he goes, you know, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And season one too. Was it season one? So I think that's yep. kind of his recurring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of his line you know, yep. to let guys know, like, I mean business. Yeah. yeah. It, it's his line. It's kind of like, I don't know, like, you, you see, it, it creates a form of humanity in him in a way, um, in the sense of, like, because he's giving an option. Like, mm. he, like, because even before that, you see him, he's very much, like, he's having this conversation with this dude, and it actually is, a, you know, he has, he actually talks to a little bit of a back and forth. It isn't until the guy is, like, just kind of blatantly, like, you know, you're actually seeing a progression in his character because hmm. in season one, it was almost immediate. Like he was, I can bring in warm, I can bring in cold. This one, he almost has like a full on conversation before he's like, you know what? I'm done with this. I can bring you in warm, I can bring in cold. Yeah. He gives the guy hmm. a chance to be like, okay, you know, I'm looking for this guy. He gives him the option to be like, oh yeah, that's me. You know, he gives them that chance. Mm. And then, you know, they have the conversation back and forth. And he's like basically saying, you know, oh, you know, he's basically implying I'm going to get this bounty. And then it isn't until he's just frustrated where he's like, you know what, I'm done. You know, so you see the the growth in his character Mm -hmm. from, you know, his time with Grogu and, you know, just becoming more of a, you know, social being in a lot of ways, um, you know, from season one to now, you know, season three, um, you know, where you're seeing him, you know, be a little bit different, but then, Hmm. but at the end of the day, he's still Mando. He still ends with that same, you know, you know, mantra right there. And he even gets like the, basically the same setup where it's like, he's surrounded and he's basically like the idea of, I like those odds, like that type of situation. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Um, so that was really cool to see him do that. Definitely. Yep. And I, and I love the, just the confidence in, in Mando. Like you, you could tell like he's on the grind, like he, he wants to get this bounty. Yeah. Um, he's not playing games uh, and he sees he's surrounded and the weapon that he goes of choice is the dark saber. Yeah. Yes. And as you can see in the fight scenes, it's not one that he's used to. He, he whips no. it out, right. which was really interesting mm-hmm. uh, for me um, because like he could have pulled out the Beskar spear, he could have yeah. pulled out the blaster, but he chose that weapon. Nope. Why did he? Uh, is he trying to get experienced with it? Mm-hmm. Um, that could be the case. And then like he nicks his leg. I, I literally had to go back and like rewatch yeah. the scene to make yeah. sure. Well, th- there's something I, I kind of tracked it along uh, as they, of course later we get a lot of exposition about the blade and, and the history of it yep. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But there's something about wielding it that it's it it's like heavy, right? It increases in heaviness as it's being yes. used, or or maybe it's something you have to become one with, like you have to. Um, you have to somehow build like it's almost like a living thing is the, the vibe that I got off of it. You might, you guys might know more of the, the history of the blade. Right. So yeah. 
Um, in Rebels, it kind of elaborates on that when uh, okay. Kanan is uh, training with Sabine. Um, basically, when you're wielding the blades, even the armor, she said that you're going against the blade. That's why it's so heavy. Yeah. Um, your mind has to be clear. Uh, uh, so yeah. he was going into that fight. He's obviously worried about Grogu, his attachments to Grogu. Mm-hmm. He's, yep. A lot's going on in his mind. Um, so the blade is heavy. You have to have a clear mindset and a strong mindset. That's what gives the blade its power and its agility and all those things. That's why even... Yeah. Um, uh, What's, what's what was the other bounty hunter he fought? Um, Bislo, uh, pa- yep. Paz, or yes, Paz. Yes. yep. So that's why he, even he had a hard time wielding the blade, is because you right. know he was concerned about his his uh, family legacy, his family legacy like that. all that good stuff. Yeah, right. it, it's kind of yeah. like the idea of like so like a like an oar that you use like for a boat. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Like if your mind is clear, it's like you're holding it sideways and it just cuts through the air and there's no resistance. But if your mind isn't clear and when you're trying to swing it, it's like it's uh, it's vertical yep. and you just you can just feel the, the the resistance and you just get tired out so much more when you're doing it. That's that's what it's sort of like, but um, just how your mindset is set up. Yeah, and you could tell during the fight scene. Of course, we already mentioned it. He's he's a little sloppy with yep. it. Like he goes to like you know. F- make some moves and he ends up like kind of looking a bit awkward. Like he's slicing yeah. through the meat and he's kind of stumbling around and, and like you mentioned, he ends up burning his leg yeah. um, with it. So I think you know, the vibe that I got is that he's, uh, you know, he's got this new toy. He's trying to, trying to use it, trying to, trying to make it happen, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, like it was cool to see that kind of call back, you know, that, that something that's a part of his, his, uh, his daily carry, you yeah. know, his yep. EDC, if you will. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. think it kind of like also elicits like his, his confusion about his connection to Mandalore in mm. a lot of ways. Like, cause I think in the moment with the way that he thinks he's before he had this clear mindset of what he felt like a Mandalorian was. And throughout, sure. especially season two, he sees, you know, this, that's only a sliver of what it is to be a Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, there's this entire extra world that is set up on Mandalore and that he was only a part of this small group, not only not a small group, but a small group that was, you know, not particularly, you know, representative of the entire culture. Mm. So for him, it's, it, it's very odd because he's trying to figure out where he fits into this whole idea of Mandalore because before being a Mandalorian was his entire, I mean, it's, it's his, it's his creed. It's his identity. He's literally called the Mandalorian. So like, you know, for him to have this identity crisis and like, I feel like him trying to wield this sword is trying in some ways he, him trying to, um, you know, come to grips in his own mind about where he fits into Mandalore. Very, very interesting. Um, and, and so, of course, um, because because Mando's a, a bad A, he gets the job done, right? He yep. ends up cutting the dude in half and taking his head and um, basically tells the, the workers, that I guess they're, they seem to be enslaved in this particular um, meat shop, uh, whatever it is. And he's like, there's a ton of credits in there that I can't take. Um, so you guys go ahead and have them. And they, they storm in. Yep. And, of course, then we're reminded that, oh, yeah, this is uh, the Book of Boba Fett because of the title card pops yep. up and brought, oh yeah wait i forgot we're watching uh yeah not and the mandalorian like, like, that was cool so uh let's get get to the main storyline yeah but not, 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 not really not just yet but did you guys <laughs> notice the theme music though 
Um, if you go back and listen to it, it's actually the Mandalorian theme and the Book of Boba Fett theme laid over each other. Oh yeah, Ooh. yeah. So uh, go back and give it a listen because I, you know, I have actually been really like I love the the Book of Boba Fett theme song. I, yeah, I've just every time every time it's come on um, while watching the episodes, I, I absolutely love it. And then I noticed it, it incorporated the. Uh, the Mandalorian theme as well. Oh, yeah. So totally cool there. Um, obviously blending these two stories for sure. Um, so we, again, Mando has uh, finished that mission. He's hurt his leg. He's traveling to visit the armorer. Um, and it goes to uh, where, do you guys know where is it that he went to, um, to, to meet there? Obviously he had to go to this particular place and follow the symbols to get to her. Um, but I, I didn't really catch where it was that he that he was. Did you? Did you it, guys get that? It was a space station called Glavis. Um, uh, the ring, uh, okay. the ring shaped space station gotcha. that uh, looked a lot like a Halo ring from the Halo series. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Oh, or if you ever seen the movie Interstellar, it looked a lot like that too. Oh, uh, yeah, it did. It nice. did. It did. Interesting. Um, okay, so they go to the space station, and uh, um, I like the the shot of him just kind of walking through and get, trying to to make his way you could tell he's he's hiding he's trying to appear stronger and um and then he gets to the elevator and he's just like oh dang my leg yeah. hurts <laughs> yeah i could tell like he was trying to like just be normal and and you know be be sensible but he finds his way uh to to the armor and then we get this scene that goes on for a little bit and it's just a ton of of exposition, yeah, um, lots of backstory, uh, history on the the dark saber, on Mandalore, on yep. also. So, what did you guys take away from this scene? Like, what were the big highlights of all that we learned? Uh, what were kind of the important bits to to carry with us throughout the episode? Uh, well, for me, I love how it elaborated more on like the uh, the pur- the Great Purge, yeah, uh, of Mandalore, uh, mm-hmm. the the planet, yeah, um, and it showed you know the what the Empire did to their home planet, yeah, um, which was insane. Just that cutscene and everything kind of looked like a scene from like Terminator. Yeah, uh, was, I saw yeah, there's a lot yeah. of uh, the same imagery of the um, the robots, if you will, the droids, yeah. kind of you know were sweeping and taken out. Yeah, they definitely looked like that, right? For sure. So I enjoyed that, and um, I like to see how, like, right now it's very scarce um, because, like, in the Mandalorian and everything, the first season, that fight scene when he was trying to escape that planet and everything, um, there was there was a ton of Mandalorians with him, and now he gets there, and it's just the yeah. armor um, and Vizsla, and then that's it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even, they even say now that there are three, you know, basically, mm. you know, stating that they, at, the, at this moment they believe they are the only ones left, yeah. and they were already an endangered species, really. Right. Um, you know. Right. You know. In that sense. Um, well, and you can tell that they're like because he had to, to you know use that special vision, or I guess, of his helmet to see the yeah. the directions to get to where she was. Like they're, they're they've got some heightened security a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was they're it, in hiding, and it was interesting seeing like the way that the armor spoke about. The difference between like she, I feel like that's the first time they've really like laid out, or the first time he has heard the difference between the the way that they believe their creed goes and the way that the rest of Mandalore went. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Before I felt like they just said Mandalorians do this. Um, I, and that's why he was so confused during season one and season two, especially when he, yeah. you know, when Bo-Katan took off her helmet and, you know, he was so you know, thrown off by that. Yeah. Um, I think that was a, um, because he had been told his whole life that they live by this one path, which is, you know, 
which isn't completely the 100% truth of what Mandalore was. Oh, well, mm. this is the way, right? This, this is their way. Got to follow it, right? Well, and, and that's what's been interesting to see. Like, we, Increasingly, we hear more and more people talking about that particular manifestation of the Mandalorian cult is like, it, it is that it's a religious sect of yep. this people. Like it's not like they're, they're almost the extremists. Yep. They're taking these rules to the nth degree and following the letter of the law, if you will. It, it would yeah. be almost like if in, the entirety of the planet earth was destroyed except for Scientologists. <laughs> and that was like the complete representation <laughs> of what humanity was. Interesting. Like, I'm yeah. maybe not as negative of a correlation as yeah. most people have for Scientologists, sure, but sure. It, it, it is almost like that in the sense of mm. this small group. And then the, from then on, they control the narrative of what the humanity is, you know, as you know, you go out into space and whatever yeah. it is, like they control whatever the narrative, whatever they believe humans are, they are the representative of what humanity is. Yeah. So we learned about, a lot about Mandalore. Uh, we learned a lot about the history of the saber as well. That uh, it was. We were talking about this earlier. Um, you guys feel feel free to fill in some of this information because it, it uh, descended from a particular person who was a both a Jedi and a Mandalorian. Yes, uh, or as we refer to it as a Jedalorian. Yeah. Um, so uh, tell us a little more more about who that person was. Um, what the history of it is. Why it's significant to a particular this scene. Like what what unfolds. Yeah, uh, so, so it was made um, by a Jedi who was also Mandalorian named uh, Tar Vizsla. So it uh, descended from Clan Vizsla. Um, that was back in like the, I think the Old Republic era. Um, and then after he died, the Darksaber um, was stored into the Jedi Temple as like a trophy almost. Uh, I would say he talked about it being like, uh, was it like the purest of like the metal that they particularly used for their armor. Um, it was used to make this weapon. Right. Yes, uh, it was yeah. like a different form of Beskar. Yeah, uh, and he yeah. even he even mentions that uh, in there. Yeah. And, um, it has dark energy and all that kind of stuff. And then um, so uh, I can't remember what clan it was, but Death Watch, I believe that's the correct clan that went into the Jedi Temple, took it, um, and then from there it got passed on from character to character to character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just kind of curious to see how it's going to enlighten uh, forward in the Star Wars universe of how it got from. Bo-Katan to uh, Moth Gideon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I wonder if we'll get any of that backstory, but the, so kind of the, the lore around the saber was that it, it's supposed to be passed down from warrior to warrior, depending on who you've taken out. Essentially. Yeah, like correct. You win it in battle. Right. It's um, one, uh, yeah. one by creed. Uh, yes, and then right. there was, there was another way. Uh, I can't remember. It's either you take it and then um, you, everything is negative from then on out. Like it's almost like, um, uh, it, a curse. it, it carries a curse. A curse. Yeah. That, yes. That's a good way to put it. Like, so if you, if you don't win it in battle, if you just steal it or take it you know, by yeah. some other means, um, then it's cursed. But right. if you win it in battle, then it, it carries, um, a lot of positive benefits. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. you are the rightful ruler of Mandalore. Right. Yeah. Mandalore. Yeah, it basically like, you know, gives you the kind of the, the backing of being the ruler of Mandalore. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we, we get that and, and there's that, that little, uh, tidbit given that like, Oh, that particular metal was meant for armor. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, can you actually form that in or, or let's make some armor for a little buddy of mine. He's, he's I want to make yeah. a little gift for, uh, for a friend of mine. Yep. Of course we would, you know, talk about Grogu. Yep. Um, so glad that he kind of came back up yeah. in the, in the story for sure. Um, but, uh, so he, he, 
asked the, her the armor to make some armor for Grogu, and what what a cute little pouch too! Like she ties it up in a little gift and yeah. gives it to him. I just thought that was that was awesome. I cannot wait. I hope we get to see that. Um, that's that's kind of my my hope for this series is that we get some kind of like side mission. Of course, we we'll talk about the ending of this episode. Where, yeah, but anyway, um, so. Then there is a scene where he is in some kind of like he's training with the sword, he's fighting with the armorer, yeah. um, learning how to wield it better. Perhaps maybe uh, you know he's heard some of that explanation of why it's you know it can be heavy, um, or if you're not your mind's not clear like we were talking about. So she's kind of walking through that, and then uh, Paz. Um, Claims a rightful ownership because of his yeah. heritage, right? So you yep. mentioned, uh, was it Tar? Tar Vizsla. Uh, Vizsla, that um, was the original creator of it. And um, this particular other Mandalorian who was helping um, Mando cl- clean his wound and, and heal him up yep. says, well, because... I am the rightful heir uh, because my ancestor created this. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it's, you're not able to wield it because it doesn't belong to you. Maybe you, you're not the rightful yeah. owner of it. So the armorer suggests, well, you guys duke it out. <laughs> you know, it's supposed yeah. to be one in battle. So you guys duke it out. Um, what do you guys think of this particular fight scene? I'm interested to, to hear your opinions on it. What, um, uh, what I mean, the think? biggest thing is it seemed like, you know, it's been, it's about time. You know, because I'm pretty sure this is the same Mandalorian that he had trouble with in, you know, season one. He was right. always kind They'd of, you know. Fought before, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like it was just time for them to kind of like, other than dealing with this specific item, it was kind of their, you know, kind of moment of, well, sometimes you just need to fight it out and just like <laughs> get get that out of out of your system. Mm. You know, that, that tension that, you know, between between two people right there, just like, you know, we just duke this out and just get everything out on the table, you know. Mm, um, on top of the whole thing of, you know, him trying to um, take this in battle, this is just how they, this is how they do stuff, you know, in Mandalore, in their part of Mandalorian culture, um, and especially old Mandalorian culture, um, where, they're, where they were very tied to the, um, like, warrior way. Yep. You know, everything was decided by your, um, by your, the way you fought in combat. And, of course, you know, a lot of it changes later on in Mandalorian learning culture how they deal with that but yeah a lot of it has to deal with this is just how they settle disputes is you know in combat so it it was really cool getting to see them you know fight and you get to really you you, once again you see him you know showcase his skills and just see how you know awesome the mandalorian is at fighting yeah Yeah. uh for me it it was just really cool to see and then like it reminded me of like the medieval times with knights and and the honor that they had for each other and the honor that they had in fighting there is no fighting dirty um you know when they first approach each other and you know about you know they're about to start fighting and they're about to start their battle uh they both remove their jetpacks um you know it's like weapon of choice you know um paz pulls out his uh knife and shield and then mando pulls out the dark saber and then yeah, one thing I was going to mention about that, we saw in the little like training uh, section of that scene where he's fighting the armor that he like falls off the little bridge they're on. He uses his jetpack to get back up on the platform. Yep. And so I, when they started taking off their jetpacks, I immediately thought like, okay, they're they're willing to take this to death if necessary. Yep. Like they're they're they mean business to yep. to take the sword, you know, yep. or to to claim the rightful ownership of this sword. It just kind of creates like that idea of like um, chivalry and type of like in, in, in the way they fight and the honor and the way they fight and just like the idea of and also the fact that they're they're fighting not for like out of anger or necessarily or out mm-hmm. of like you know 
like bloodlust or something like that. It, they yeah. are fighting out of, you know, it, 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 this is the like other side of the coin to like diplomacy. Like it is literally, you know, you have your, you know, you have your talking about stuff and then you have your fighting to figure out things, you know, and that, that idea of the, the fighting one-to-one gets you quicker to the truth than lots of times words do like in this, um, like in this underwritten world in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, we end up with this, uh, this fight scene kind of goes on and Paz actually ends up getting the, the saber during the fight. And he, you know, has this like, Oh, this is, this is mine. And so he starts to fight with it, but he, you can tell he's also a little clumsy with it. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't quite land as many blows. And, um, you, we can see Mando kind of realizing that. And, um, he, he starts to like make little jabs and cuts you know, through the armor of, of Paz. And, um, I, I thought that whole scene was, was fantastic. Um, like even, even, even he who thought he was like the rightful owner yeah. um, still was clumsy and couldn't quite wield it well, yep. um, was making like these large, you know, blows and trying to make, you know, he, he wasn't successful. Um, and then ultimately the armorer says, okay, that's enough. Like it's been decided. Yeah. He gets to the point where he could slit his throat. And uh, this was the part that I was interested in. So it kind of takes a quick turn where the battle's decided Mando has the upper hand and he's like, okay, or, or the armorer, she says, all right, it's been decided, you know, the, the battle's over. Um, but then she asked for like a, like almost like credentials for them of have they kept their particular faith, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so she asked Paz, like, have you ever taken off your helmet? And he says, no, you know, I'm loyal, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm here it is whatever. And then she asked Mando and he's like, Oh, awkward, you know? Yeah. Cause, hmm. Yeah. We all know, of course, that he yeah. has several times, <laughs> yep. of course, over season one, season two. Um, and so at this point, um, he gets shunned from the order. Yeah. Right. Yep. Man- Mando is, is no, the Mandalorian is no longer by creed, quote unquote, yeah. a Mandalorian. Yep. Um, so at this point, she mentions that there, or he asks for forgiveness, right? Yep. He asks if there's any way that he can atone for this sin and be reinstated. And then um, she said, basically, this tough luck. Yeah, she's like, okay, remember that whole, we just spent, you know, 10 minutes talking about how our planet has been destroyed and wiped out or whatever. The only way you can be restored is by these secret waters under, you know, so I thought, and you guys can feedback on this, um, maybe this is setting up season three. Um, He's going to have to make this journey back to Mandalore and, you know, figure out through the the wreckage, you know, get to these particular, uh, what she mentions as, uh, I'm blanking on, some kind of spring or some kind of uh, waters spring uh the waters under the mine in the mines the mines yeah so, so, yeah, so where they mine their best guard and everything yeah so i don't know what that's about um do you guys know anything about like is this like a um some sort of place some sort of place he has to go to like quote unquote i guess baptize himself like wash his sins away or um according to their their you know particular order um this was just something i didn't yeah. know anything about kind of when she mentioned it um, that's kind of how I was thinking about it was, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't necessarily have to go to the wreckage of Mandalore, but go, he has to somehow acquire water from that area, whether it be, you know, some sort of, you know, almost wild goose chase. Like he's kind of always kind of on, so, um, <laughs> are you thinking they like bottled this stuff up somewhere or yeah, it's a, like some more black market smuggled or some, something along those lines where, okay. or, you know, some high level crime Lord or something in that has, you know, you know, was just had this fascination with, 
you know, collecting oddities. And mm-hmm. one of those oddities happened to be the last, you know, bit of the this water from under the mines in Mandalore. Hmm. Interesting. For some reason, when you, when you kind of went that route with it, I just imagined this like salesman for all, or, you know, like when you go to like a baseball game and they're like walking up and down the stands and like, yeah. get your Mandalorian mystic <laughs> water right here. You know, like I, I was thinking he, more of the, col- like the collector yeah. from like, uh, Ooh, maybe fr- yeah. from, uh, from the Marvel from, universe. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you that's go. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's, uh, I wasn't sure if this would be like the, his kind of next mission after whatever this involvement with Boba Fett's going to be that he's got to go find a way to atone for his sins you know, quote yep. unquote. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts, Marco? Uh, well, if he does have to go to the, uh, mines on Mandalore. He's going to need a Beskar shovel uh, to get through there. That's <laughs> yeah. probably buried. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, that could be very if they even exist at right. any point. Right. Yeah. And that's what because it was definitely like when she was even talking about it. It was like um, th- this is a very mystic um, yeah. type. So like, does it exist or, or maybe this is something ancient that has dried up? You know, long since. Yeah. Um, but particularly them showing the wreckage on Mandalore, like maybe that's something that is preserved underneath, and he's got to find a way to get to it. I don't know. That, yep. that could be could be setting up some future story. Yeah, it could be him. very well just setting up for like the fact that he gets there and he gets to the point and he's like, you know what? I'm good enough. Bump this. I'm yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need this. Right. You know, mm-hmm. these people are crazy, right, you know? Right. <laughs> Could be. Maybe he has some kind of like Kevin Bacon-esque dance montage. On, yep. Like he's finding his, per, you know, his purpose, uh, just like Footloose, you know? He's like, yep. I, don't need to, I don't need to yep. follow these rules anymore, you know? No. Well, I hope, I hope that is the case because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not yeah, the dance montage. Yeah, yeah, maybe but. not the dance montage, but I mean, you have people <laughs> like Boba Fett who was created in a factory on Camino mm. and carries the... Mandalorian trait. Um, you know, his father was a Mandalorian. He claims to be a Mandalorian. He mm. carries the armor. It's yep. uh, it's him. Uh, and then yeah. you have, you know, Bo-Katan, who doesn't believe in this ancestor creed, but she's still uh, much more of a Mandalorian as anyone else is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping he could find that in himself and that self-empowerment to um, realize that even though he was a fondling, uh, he's much more as a Mandalorian than anyone else, and he doesn't need this creed to prove who it, who he is or um, how he operates in battle or what's that's going to set him up for you know the rest of the rest of what he's planning to do and when yeah. season three drops. Yeah, yeah I, I think it will be an important journey for him to like kind of unshackle himself from this um, like yeah. cult like narrow point of view Correct. to you know finally be able to you know really. You know, be able to enjoy his life to you know the fullest. You know, instead of having to live by these puritanical rules, right? So uh, we leave the armorer, and uh, that particular scene ends. And so now Mando is traveling to Tatooine yep. um, to retrieve his ship, or at least um, you know he's left it a with replacement, a replacement part because right? because it's right. blown because the Razor Crest has of course been destroyed. Right, correct, correct. Yep. The replacement for his ship. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Um, so he's he's going to retrieve that, and uh, I don't know about you, but I, I really loved the um, the scene where he's he's going to to you know board the train and. Uh, um, it just gave me some like. Of course, we're in the Georgia area, the, like some Marta vibes. Yeah. Like he, he's yeah. <laughs> he's going on, and uh, of course he, he, you know, he he's trying to get through security, and he has to like take off all his his uh, yep. weapons and stuff. I just I really love that that yeah. scene for sure. Yeah, you know, it must it must be very hard to be a bounty hunter and you have to take the train. 
yeah. uh, from place yeah. to place. I mean, just, right. just imagine. I mean, yeah. you, you saw that like in that scene, just, you know, you, you have him who's, you know, covered in this shiny Mandalorian armor, mm-hmm. weapons, you yeah. know, yeah. arsenal weapons he's carrying with him, boarding this train right. with normal people who probably have <laughs> nine to five jobs yeah. <laughs> yeah. that yeah. have to board it as well. Well, yeah. it, it's interesting. There, there, there are two th- kind of things that I think about when I think about that, that scene where he has to give up his... Um, his armor. Number one was, um, I don't know if you guys can remember this, but from the original Matrix movie, when he comes at the very end before the end of the fight scene, he like he, he goes through these metal detectors, Neo does. Yeah. And he's yeah. like... At the bank, it, you mean? Or, yeah. Yeah, like the, I think it's a bank or some sort of corp, yeah. big corporate building. And they're yeah. like, I think I just kind of like, oh, oh, you know, you have some metal on you. And he just opens it up. It's just full of guns. <laughs> full of guns. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Like the most ridiculous idea, but um, and the second thing I'm thinking about is how. Uh, so we've been talking about his struggle with his own identity and things mm-hmm. like that, and you know w- when he's there, and they're like, "Oh, well, you have to, um, you have to give them up," and then he he's like, "Well, but weapons are a part of my religion," and yeah. but then he gives them up willingly without all that much of a fight. So I think yeah. it's kind of an interesting, like kind of subplot to the idea of, you know, maybe yeah. he is questioning his own place inside mm. of, could, you know, yeah. the situation could be a metaphor for yes. him, like divesting himself of, of those, uh, those attachments. Yes. Yeah. No, not being so, you know, cut right. and dry about how, how he feels about rules. Could be, yep. could be, uh, but of course, yeah, he gets them back. Uh, and, sure. and something else I was watching a, another, um, uh, YouTuber that was talking about this particular episode and uh, how where he boards that particular uh, droid is like you know fully functioning and kind of working. Then when he gets Tatooine, the the droid is like malfunctioning and like kind of glitching. You know, it's just kind of a realizing like this is a poor planet. Uh, He's he's coming to a rougher area. Mm. You know, so he gets there and he he approaches the mechanic that of course we've seen from the Mandalorian series. And uh, (laughs) there's an interesting uh, little scene where. was it she's attacked by a womp rat? Is that what it's called or something? There's yeah. those yeah. those creatures there, and it's a pretty big. Uh, it's a, what a Luke used to bullseye. Yeah, he used to the little target practice uh, on uh, on Tatooine. So uh, those little things I've enjoyed, like some callbacks yeah. to uh, to things we know. Of course, there's another that we'll talk about. I'm sure in a little bit. Um, but uh, anyway, so we uh, Mando gets there and realizes that there's there's not really the replacement shift that he expected. No. Right. Um, she's like, well, you know, you know, you kind of told me last minute you're coming in here, yep. but I've got this available. And it's a, um, do you guys know anything about the ship that, that it's, she it, mentions? It's a N1 starfighter. Um, yeah. It was from the, the planet Naboo. Yeah, from the planet Naboo. It's, mm. uh, you saw it in uh, Phantom Menace. Right. Uh, and they made a video game that came out in 2001 called uh, uh, Star Wars Jedi Starfighter, or uh, no, just Star Wars Starfighter. Um, where you got to pilot the ship and yeah. uh, going on, you know, a bunch of quests and stuff. Which yep. is really cool. It, it's what uh, Baby Anakin gets to, to fly at the yep. end. Of, yeah, yep. where he, yep. yeah, right. Um, so cool, you know. Of course, again, callbacks. The, the, yeah, the whole lot, you know, through which I love. I love a good callback. Mm-hmm. Um, so and of course, you know, it looks a little dusty, a little rusty, yep. and they have to do a little more uh, fixing up. You know, and they're they're adding some parts and making it ready to fly. And um, one thing I did notice uh, during this particular scene, they made a, a point to bring up that they're using stolen pike pieces, like uh, uh, ship yeah. pieces, um, which I want to throw this to you guys. Like, it, obviously, throughout the, man- the, the um, not the Mandalorian, the 
Boba Fett series, um, we've kind of been led to believe that the Pikes are the main kind of big bad the yeah. villains that we're mm-hmm. that we're looking out for. Um, do you guys still think that's the case? Is this more just like diversion? Are we being thrown off here, um, or is this like just helping us to remember, like, oh yeah, we're still a part of the same story where the Pikes, the Syndicate, is still a problem? I, I think it's more that. Um, I, I feel like with with you know. Uh, for the overall plot of uh, Book of Boba Fett, I think with this episode happening, it kind of like forces that to have to be yeah. what it is. Like basically, yeah. they were like, we're just going to throw away an entire episode of the regular <laughs> plot. Like, I, I, not going to lie, this, this episode was amazing, but it was a complete and utter like throwaway episode in a lot of ways in the sense of the main plot of the Book of Boba Fett. Yep. I mean, maybe right. it won't be. Maybe they'll... Maybe, Something that he did in here will directly affect, you know, what yeah. is going on. Yeah. You know, but but from what we have seen, it seemed like it's very much like a, we're just going to reintroduce, excuse me, the Mandalorian, and mm-hmm. we're just going to, like, basically throw away this episode of the Book of Boba Fett. So, yeah. in saying that, I feel like that really pushes the Book of Boba Fett to have to have the Pikes be the main villain for at least the rest of this season. Mm. Yeah, and I think they did that just to show that, you know, they are there on Tatooine. Like, their numbers are big. Um, right. Yeah. Because, you know, they're there right. in Mos Eisley and all the stuff's going on uh, with Boba Fett and Mos Espa. Um, you know, the numbers are there. They're they're on the planet. The invasion is there. So yeah. right. And that they have the technology that a, an, a starfighter like this would need, you mm-hmm. know? Correct, which is very, very odd, which is goes to show like what kind of power they have. Yes. Yeah. As far as like getting those parts and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean they were mentioning like the fact that they're, you know, transporting this spice across, which we've already seen, you know, earlier yeah. in the series. And so I think it really was just this moment that they took kind of took a break from them repairing the ship and to remi- remind us what you uni- um, what, what a what a TV universe we're actually what in right story, now. Yeah, what story yeah. We're, we're still a part of. And I think, you know, like Mark and Mike, you just mentioned, uh, helping us realize the extent that this particular syndicate has mm-hmm. and the effects are going beyond, you know, just what Boba Fett's dealing with. Right. Um, for sure. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. Also, um, I wanted to ask, I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about the particular, like that they're shipping spice. Um, I still think it's super ironic that we're, we're just on the hills of Dune uh, yeah. coming out. And obviously I know that um, I think George Lucas was heavily influenced by the books. Uh, so is it, has, has spice been a thing in like other Star Wars literature or? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know if that um, was just like a, it is a ironic thing. Very, or, very um, connected to the Pikes, especially. Okay. Um, what what is it within the Star Wars universe? Like, what what's the the element or the the role that it plays? So I think one you could use it as a drug, which is what I think oh. people are using it for. Um, okay. But two, like um, in the Clone Wars, and I think even in Rebels, you know, they said that they could use it for like pharmaceutical um, practices for like yeah. healing medicines, stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, but it's just very dangerous to transport and illegal to transport. Yeah. Ah, okay. So we're we're basically seeing like drug trafficking <laughs> going yeah, on. Pretty like much. In space it. in space. Space in space. Yeah, this is basically <laughs> nice. like uh, it's basically yeah. like every single illegal and legal drug that you are aware of is spice. Okay. Like in, in the Star Wars universe. It is gotcha. that okay. Pivotal to the medical world in the Star Wars universe. Yep. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, because I had no idea like that that was even a thing until this yeah this series. So um, yeah, so that that was interesting, and I, and I thought it was good that they reminded us of that. Well, so they get the the ship repaired, and he takes it on a, a little test drive. Yeah, um, which uh, was quite the ride. Yep. Right. Uh, tell me your guys' thoughts on that whole sequence of just like he fires up and, and starts to fly through some some pretty familiar territory. Yes. Right. Um, this is pod racing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like it took me a second to realize, like, oh wait, I've we we've seen this yeah. stuff before. Yeah. So yeah. what would you guys think of this that uh, sequence? Well, um, before he sets off, I, I do find it interesting. Like, I, I really I, I like the the play of the whole like. Well, didn't there used to be like a droid port port back there? You know, yeah, basically like yeah. you know your idea of you know seeing R two D two back there, right? And I think it was a nice little like nod at the fact that maybe someday he'll have Grogu as his. Maybe they'll he'll make that into Grogu's little spot, um, <laughs> you know. But yeah. it was instantaneous as soon as he was out. You know, I was like. This is pod racing, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> yeah. like getting out to the areas yeah. and just like him, you know, maneuvering and just the speed that he was moving at. It was just really cool to see him move like that because um, it, it was just, it was just really cool seeing that because you normally are used to, used to seeing him move in the Razor Crest, which is you know pretty much like this, like the difference between you seeing somebody drive a minivan and driving a, like a Corvette in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, the minivan is very helpful in a lot of ways, but the yeah. Corvette's just really cool to watch him drive. Right. Yeah. The, his, uh, his other ship was more utility, right? This is yeah. going to be, uh, um, well, I mean, it's going to help him outrun the cops later, you know, so that's good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 100%. <laughs> um, that's what I was kind of thinking too. Like, the, the ship is very, very cool. Don't get me wrong. The Starfighter is very, very cool, and I can't yeah. wait to see it, like, more in action, like, the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, but then it just kind of had me, like, curious and everything. Like, how is he going to be doing, like, his bounty work in that? Like, how is he going to transport his bounties yeah. back mm. and forth? Because uh, there's no storage compartment. Where is he going right. to carry his weapons? Yeah. You know, where is he going to store his bounties? So that's, like, the inconvenience part of it. Yeah. Uh, but it is a really cool ship. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that this is going to play um, a role in whatever is left of the Boba Fett storyline, um, how he's going to come into yeah. that particular fight with him. Um, and then maybe he gets some kind of restored uh, larger ship yeah. um, that yeah. carries over into season three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe he or. has something that's slower and, you know, kind of stays in orbit and he can just like yeah. use that when he's actually like down on whatever planet he's on. He can, he can dock the Corvette in the, yeah. in the larger. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe so. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you have, you know, it's your, it's your weekend driver. Right. Um, so yeah, just to, to mention again, like he, he flies through, um, some of the, the other scenery we've seen before or places that were mentioned, um, in previous, uh, like Baker's Canyon, um, uh, was, was in there, um, mentioned by uh, several, I think it was mentioned by Luke, um, in, I forget which, uh, which movie it was, um, that they used to fly through that back in the old yeah. days, you know, back on Tatooine. Um, so anyway, so that was cool that they threw some, some fan service in there of different, different places. Um, of course then, uh, he gets, uh, he gets pulled over by, uh, by the authorities, yes. you know, um, and it's interesting to me, like they, they have this whole, like they're, they're talking to him, but they don't really know who he is. But, uh, one of the captains who I believe was in Mandalorian, yeah. like he was yep. in Mandalorian and, and he was like, Wait, you, you kind of sound familiar. Didn't yep. you used to drive uh, one of the, what's the other ship that he what was oh, the, Razor Crest. the Razor Crest? Yeah, and uh, he's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, so that was pretty funny, but uh, so he, he 
goes through this and uh, eventually brings the brings the ship back and um, you know of course he he's just kind of flying back to let him know how or let the mechanic lady know how the, the ride went and we learned that there's someone looking for Mando yep um, someone that's uh, showed up and she's like ah, I tried to tell her to go away but um, but then Finnick Shand shows up yeah um, and of course this was you know I think we were expecting at some point uh, for their these stories to to cross over during this episode and she's coming to buy some muscle. Um, and so she, you know, she's carrying a whole uh, little sack of credits and she throws them at him. And uh, what I thought was cool was he, when he realizes that this is for Boba Fett, he's like, nah, this one's on the house, you know, yeah. whatever he needs. I'm, I'm here to help. Of course, you know, I'm sure he's remembering what they went through uh, in season two. And um, yeah, so he offers to to do whatever this uh, this particular mission is for free yeah. and just for a buddy, you know, a good old friend. But what I found uh, most kind of standing out in this little end scene and what I hope comes to fruition in the next episode is he says, first, we've got to visit a little friend. So my question to you guys is, do you think we're going to see Grogu in this series or is that going to be something held off for Mandalorian season three? Uh, it's a huge possibility. I think I think it's going to be something that we're going to see in Mandalorian season three. Yeah. Um. I don't think it's going to come to light in um the Boba Fett series or, or the Boba mm. Fett um season right now. Um. Because there's a lot of aspects and stuff that's going to go into this. One, how does he know where Grogu is? Did Luke give him you know the Jedi Ca- Academy address? Yeah. You mm. know, all seen. Yeah. Uh, two. Maybe they've been pen pals throughout the, this. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sk- skyping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. That and like where where is it located? I think that those are going to be like some pretty good uh, important things of information that's mm-hmm. going to come to light. I, yeah, I feel like they need you need more scene time to be able to pull the gravity of him rejoining Grogu, like him mm-hmm. meeting Grogu. I feel like yeah. you need more time than just the two episodes will allow to yeah. have. To wrap up everything in Book of Boba Fett and have him, you know, reunited with um, Grogu. Although it would be super cool, cool for him to to meet Grogu and for him to, as well as it would be cool to see, you know, potentially Luke help them as well. Yeah. The only thing I, I know from that specific wording he says is, first, I need to go see a little friend. So that's what has me thinking, like maybe the beginning of the next episode, uh, they're going to, you know, um, he's going to be headed toward whatever it is that, you know, or whatever the final battle is going to be. Um, but he says, first, I've got to go see Grogu yeah. and, and deliver his little armor, which I think is going to be so phenomenal. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll be one of those things yeah. where he's like, first, you know, it's, but it's setting up for like, he'll, he'll be gone for lo- most of this episode maybe while they're getting ready to go. And, and we'll then see it later. We'll see the classic, okay. like, you know, him showing up just in time to help them, you know, finish whatever battle it is for this episode. And he's like, you know, that way they've reintroduced him. So it doesn't seem completely implausible that he's showing back up. Yeah. You know, because it would it would seem really implausible if all of a sudden at the end of this season, this season, you know, they're in the middle of a fight and all of a sudden the Mandalorian just shows up as, you know, to just happens to be in the neighborhood to help right. them fight, fight off whoever, you know, they end up fighting. Um, so maybe it is one of those things where, it, or, you know, maybe they could only afford Pedro Pascal for like. <laughs> 
you know, an episode <laughs> For, and a half. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Or, or possibly, maybe he's not going to go see Grogu. Maybe he could be going to see uh, Bo-Katan to get more enlightenment on the Darksaber and how to use it. That yeah. could be a possibility. So we're just, we're kind of getting teased about Grogu in this, this particular context. He's like... I think it's, I think it might be a little too convenient. Yeah, you know? but the wording he uses though is specifically that's you know, pretty. Uh, first, I've got to go see a little friend. So yeah, if he, he goes to see her, I'm like, whatever, dude. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. She she is a little Mandalorian, <laughs> <laughs> shorter than he is. I'm sure, maybe. But uh, I don't know if that's how that plays out. I'm like, come on, man. Like, or come on, Disney. You know, yeah. goodness gracious. Yeah, that'll um, be yeah. That, that'll be real odd if they, you know. If um, that were to happen, you know, um, yeah. although maybe I, I would like to see him maybe recruit some other people that he's, you know, met up with, you know, maybe the the marshal from, you know, season two. Yeah. You know, maybe he could pull him in to help out Boba Fett and, you know, like. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of a question I want to lead out on as we're anticipating the rest of the series, um, kind of how the. The, the rest is going to play out leading up to this battle. Of course, I imagine they're going to need a little more muscle than just the Mandalorian. Yeah. So yeah. who do you guys think they could potentially pull in uh, from people that maybe they've met before, maybe some people we don't really know that they've interacted with yet that they may pull in? Um, who, who do you guys think? I mean, I think the most um, likely possible ally other than the Mandalorian that we've seen is Black Chrysanthemum. I feel yep. like, you know... Yep. I feel like with the way they let him go, the way they introduced him, um, the way they talked about him and the sense of this was not a, like a, it, it didn't sound like it was like a, you know, personal vendetta against Boba Fett. It was a, they're giving me money type of situation. So I'm going to do a job, um, which would very much play into the whole, you know, what Fennec Shannon was saying, well, you can buy muscle. And the fact that the way he came back in the, um, in the bar scene, like it seems like they're keeping him in the periphery to where they'll come to him and be like, Hey, we need help Mm. type of situation. Yeah. Um, well with Boba Fett being, you know, an ex bounty hunter, he's going to have like connections to other bounty hunters. So I'm thinking it's possibly to see, um, maybe some assassin droids, yeah. uh, maybe even the Trandosian bounty hunter Bosk. That could be hmm. a possibility that we saw from Empire Strikes Back and everything. Um, or some faces that we haven't seen before. Um, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, there are going to be, uh, I hope there, you know, there's going to be more faces to see, maybe yeah. a lot more familiar faces in, in this next episode yeah. when they're going to have to fight off the pikes and who knows what else. Yeah. Maybe uh, Grogu has received some training. You know, while he's been with Luke, and maybe he's ready for his first mission, and they send a little toddler. Maybe he's grown up a little bit, you know, since the last time we seen him. That, that was one yeah. thing I was thinking. Like, what if, like, when he meets him, it doesn't fit because he's grown? Yeah, like that, like that, that idea. Yeah. Like that would be, <laughs> right. a, a, like, almost a little bit heartbreaking for for him. To, like, <sighs> like in the fact that he no longer knows like the size that Grogu mm. is. You know, yeah, could be, could be this like. Yeah, like a little bit of like you said, heartbreak that he's like, oh man, my little buddy, he's all, you know, he's growing yeah, up. Yeah, like he's, without me, like he's yeah. almost lost, yeah, like he's lost a little bit of connection <laughs> with him because yeah. he hasn't been around him. Yet. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. 
Um, well, yeah, just, you guys have any other theories about kind of how, how we're going to roll out the rest of the season? I know we've mentioned, um, of course, we talked about the Pikes already and some other syndicates that could be brought in. At this point, do you guys think those are kind of like foregone conclusions or maybe in a later season? We've mentioned, uh, was it Crimson, Crimson uh, Dawn? Crimson Crimson Dawn. Dawn. Um, where do you guys think we stand with like who the big bad is of the series? What, what should we expect from the rest uh, of the episodes? Uh, Jar Jar Binks is for sure mm. ruling the entire okay. operation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Darth, Darth Binks. I mean, they did mention uh, Boo in this yes. episode. Did. Okay. All right. That well, you hit his home planet. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, next week, expect uh, Jar Jar Binks to yep. be revealed as the uh, big, uh, big bad behind all of this. I, I mean, I, yeah. I think it's pretty, you know, straightforward that it's either going to be the big bad is either going to be the Pikes or the mayor. What like, is it going to be? Something in those um, in that realm. I don't think there's really yeah. room for any other villain to really present themselves at the moment. I don't know. I think Markham's got a point. What are the odds we see Jar Jar Binks with like the, the mountain of like spice, just like a mountain of cocaine. And he's like Scarface, yep. you know, he's just like the, the, mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think it could happen. It could. Nope. I'm convinced. <laughs> no, I think at this point for this particular series, um, you know, like we've mentioned, the Pike seem to be, over and over set up as that's the final kind of conflict is going to be with them uh, potentially opening up to others in later seasons and things like that. So, um, but so far I think it's been great. Uh, I agree though, that this, this episode was a little bit of a throwaway from the main, um, the main series, but I'm glad we got some more, uh, some more Mandalorian, you know, I think everybody's been, uh, has enjoyed that series and enjoyed uh, following following that character, and uh, so I'm glad they've given us a little bit more of his journey and uh, effectively setting up not just the end of this series, but the beginning of what he's what his main conflict is going to be for season three of Mandalorian. Yeah, yep. yeah. it's good stuff. Anything else to add as we uh, we kind of wrap up this particular episode? No, I mean it's, it was a great episode. Um, yeah. You know, just, just you know, it was really awesome. Yep. Huge fan. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I hope that you're enjoying, uh, we're hoping, well, almost said, I hope you're enjoying the Mandalorian. Goodness gracious. Got to reset the brain. This is the book of Boba Fett. Hopefully you're enjoying this series. Uh, let us know your thoughts on this particular episode. Um, and what you think might happen toward the end of the series. Of course, we're, uh, anxiously waiting to see what the rest of these episodes will bring us. Um, knowing, I believe we mentioned, uh, there's going to be seven episodes. So next time we, we meet on the podcast, uh, we'll do our penultimate episode, uh, show, which hopefully we'll have some, some buying and selling and all those fun things you can expect from the Royal geek podcast. So do join us next time on that particular episode, find us on your favorite podcast platform and give us a nice rating and a review. Share us with some of your other nerd friends who are into star Wars and Marvel and all that good stuff. Um, And we will be enjoying these conversations from our end. Of course, tonight we were glad to be joined by the one, the only Markham, our uh, resident Star Wars genius, um, know-it-all. Just glad to have you on, man. Glad that you're here tonight. Uh, So for Markham and Shimato, uh, this is T-Sweat saying thank you for listening to the Royal Geek Podcast, and we will see you next time, you peasants. (laughs) 